听我说吧，听我说吧，听我说吧，听我说吧。Speak my language. Speak 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 my language. You are listening to Speak My Language, a radio documentary series presented by Yarrow Intergenerational Society for Justice. I'm Rachel Lau, coordinator of the Speak My Language project. You're listening to a bonus episode of Speak My Language. Back in March, we held a launch event for the release of the Speak My Language radio documentary series. It was a chance to celebrate the accomplishments and stories of the Chinese seniors and youth producers with the broader Vancouver community. You'll be hearing speeches given at the event by former coordinator of Yara Society, Yolanda Louie, MP Jenny Kwan, and I. The youth producers then share some insights about their production process, and we end with a group panel featuring the producers and a Chinese senior. Enjoy. I want to begin by acknowledging that this event is taking place on the unceded, ancestral, traditional, and occupied territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh nations. As we work together to build intergenerational communities and just futures on this land, we have to also make right the injustices of ongoing settler colonialism and the theft of the very land that we're gathering on today. At this event, we're going to be touching on how our healthcare system has created barriers to access, such as language and cultural barriers. This is an issue that not only affects the Chinese seniors whose stories we'll hear, but one that affects many, including many Indigenous communities. As Yaro moves forward to advocate for barrier-free healthcare, we value doing this in a way that imagines beyond a colonial healthcare system. First, a little bit about Yaro.、Um, so our name is Yaro Intergenerational Society for Justice. Um, our goal is a thriving, equitable, and intergenerational Chinatown. We provide services to low-income Chinese seniors in the neighborhood and create opportunities for youth and seniors to build connections, develop leadership skills, and create supportive relationships.、Uh, we see the importance of intergenerational relationships, where elders can、uh, are able to meet their needs in terms of housing, health, income, and safety, and youth are getting an opportunity. To practice their language and learn their culture and connect with their elders. So, Speak My Language was created when we identified that one of the biggest needs in our community is access to healthcare. Since the beginning of our work in Chinatown in 2015, we've been connecting youth and volunteers with elders who needed support in accessing healthcare, providing interpretation, transportation support, and education about the BC healthcare system. But we know that our community deserves more. Our elders deserve a barrier-free healthcare. They deserve professional language support to access healthcare at the same level of treatment that English speakers have. We created the Speak My Language project to shine a light on this issue of language barriers in healthcare, and especially on the rarely heard stories of Chinese seniors and their experiences with health.、Um, now, I want to bring up、uh, Rachel Lau, the coordinator of the Speak My Language project, to the stage to say a few words. Uh, thanks for the intro, Yolanda. Hi, everyone. I'm Rachel, the project coordinator for Speak My Language.、Uh, so again, thank you for coming on your Saturday afternoon. It's really great to see everyone here out to support.、Um, let me tell you a story. So when Yolanda and Chanel approached me to be the lead artist of this project, I was still living in Hong Kong.、Uh, when I got their message on Facebook, I was like kind of in disbelief that a project marrying radio storytelling. And Vancouver's Chinatown community had landed straight in my lap.、Uh, for those of you who know me, I talk about Chinatown and radio a lot, so speak my language was kind of like a perfect fit. When I moved back to Vancouver to start on the project, I felt excited but nervous. I wasn't sure how we'd create a multilingual radio documentary series about the complex and varied experiences of Chinese seniors navigating the BC healthcare system. So picture this. 14 Chinese elders and youth packed into a small room in Chinatown, and then they were told they'd be paired with each other for a six-month-long journey. I still remember how the room felt,、uh, full of excitement and apprehension. But we all trusted each other and the project, and that's what mattered. Fast forward six months of hard work, and to be honest, hard work doesn't really begin to describe what each person gave to this project. And now we're here. Uh, five radio docs that tell the important stories of our elders and intergenerational relationships that will last long beyond this project. Looking back, I wonder how we got here, how we made it. But I look to the seniors and youth, and I realize that we made it because we've been doing what we've always done: living with resilience, 
leaning on our communities, and taking care of one another. Although some of these stories may be difficult to witness, I hope you feel love and warmth uh, that has gone into making these stories, because I know that's what I'll be walking away from this project with. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you, Rachel. Um, we'll have an opportunity to hear more from Rachel during the panel discussions following the presentations of each of the five radio documentaries. Um, I would like to invite Jenny Kwan, Member of Parliament for Vancouver East to the stage to share a few words. Well, good afternoon, everyone. Um, Yes, my name is Jenny Kwan. I'm the Member of Parliament for Vancouver East. Let me just take a moment also to acknowledge the First Peoples, the Musqueam, the Squamish, and the Tsleil-Waututh peoples for allowing us to live, to work, and to gather uh, in their unceded Coast Salish territories. I think particularly at this time, it is so very important for us to take the meaning of those words uh, and to act in accordance in respect to Indigenous peoples. I see that Jean Swanson is sitting in the crowd as well, city councillor, uh, and I see Ellen Woodsworth, former city councillor, sitting in the crowd uh, amongst other peoples. I am so uh, very delighted to be here, and I want to say thank you to Yaros uh, and really the young artists and activists in our community in coming together to produce this incredible program, Speak My Language. I say this as an immigrant kid, having experienced what it is like and what I continue to do, frankly, for my parents to translate for them in every realm. And your inadequacy of that language capacity is particularly highlighted when it comes to health-related issues. They're so often where their terminology and illnesses that Frankly, I don't know what the Chinese word is, what the proper Chinese word is, and how to properly translate it. But yet there are so many people and who are in that, in that situation, and my seniors, many of the seniors in our community are faced with exactly that. Many of them don't have family even to access inadequate translation. For too long, we've wanted to see that service to be provided in a professional capacity. Uh, and I think that this program will highlight that need, focus that need, and then to point, I think, attention to it. I would say that is really not just for Chinese seniors who are in this situation. I know that in my capacity as the critic for immigration, refugee, and citizenship, I've worked with many um, refugees who came recently, and I'll tell you this one story and I'll step off the stage. This story involved a woman, a refugee woman who came to Canada as part of the Syrian Refugee Initiative. And not too long after she's arrived, she fell ill. Now, through the community's network, she was able to see a doctor. And it took months, though, eventually, because of the language barrier issues. But after she's seen the doctor, she's been waiting to receive her diagnosis to see what was going on with her health. And weeks had went by, and she was unable to connect with the hospital to find out what was going on. So one day, she just went to the hospital, standing in front of the reception area and trying to communicate with the people to try to get access to her medical condition. And then, as she's doing this, people could not quite communicate with her, and someone walked by and spoke Arabic. And she stopped and grabbed this stranger, and this stranger ultimately ended up translating for her. And as it turned out, she was diagnosed with cancer, a serious illness, and this how is our system is working. And there's just something really, really, really wrong with that. And so I leave that with you, how important this work is that you're doing in highlighting this issue how wonderful it is to see the intergeneration connection that is being built and the relationships that are being built with our seniors in our community, and how important it is to say that this work is so much more than just language. It really goes beyond all of that, and it speaks to who we are and something that I've learned from the elders in my community, and it is about humanity and it's about connectedness and it's about 
each other. So thank you so much. Following these speeches, the youth producers shared with us their insights and reflections about the production process over the course of six months. Uh, hey everyone, uh, my name is Jason. I use he, him pronouns. My name is Daniel. I also use he, him pronouns. And uh, I'd also like to introduce Yang Popo, who is the senior that we were able to talk to. Um, she's sitting here right here in the front row. All right, so I'd just like to uh, just introduce our title, A Place of Your Own. Um, we chose this because it really symbolizes the independence that young people strives on, uh, not just living away from her family, but also just living in a country, in a community where she doesn't fully understand the language and she still strives to live, strives to have fun, and tries to be the person that she is. Mm -hmm, yeah, and then as for the visual itself, um, it was actually illustrated by my partner Joyce, um, and uh, we wanted to capture sort of uh, the vibrant spirit that is young Popo. Um, you know, I, I think uh, uh, there's um, there are elements taken from the apartment where we visited her and performed the interview, and you know, like the elements like the calendar and just her little slippers, and there's a. There's an exercise chart that she does, um, exercises every single day, and it's like, wow, I don't even do that. I'm just so impressed. <laughs> um, and then uh, as for, I guess, um, um, a bit of like a takeaway for the project myself, um, I think what I learned, you know the thing they say about there's the stuff that you know you know, you know you don't know, and you don't know you don't know? Um, for me, uh, the project was really just uh, unpackaging that last category. Um, and it, it wasn't huge, big things about um, the healthcare system. Really, it was almost the more impactful stuff was the smaller items, just the the day to day. Um, you know, just for young people, even making it to the um, her her doctor's appointment. Uh, she has this little uh, cue card of um, um, when she's trying to go on the bus. You know, uh, she. <laughs> She doesn't know, she doesn't know how to read English, but um, she just has the characters written out and she's just like memorized them and like without understanding what they mean, just that's how she's navigating through the world, um, just through this little cue card. And um, for me, I also had a bit of an exp exposure to that um, with uh, Daniel. So when we recorded the Mandarin version of this episode, I truly understood how poor my Chinese skills were. Uh, Daniel, who can write, he came to me in the library and he's like, Jason, can you read? And I'm like, no, absolutely not. Um, so to, to record it, Daniel had to like read out what he wrote and I just had to memorize the sounds and be like, okay, 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 and then hit record. And it, I, don't, I don't know how it turned out, but. It turned out, it turned out fine, um, it's actually. <laughs> It's actually featured in the full-length Mandarin version of the doc, so after today, you can check out the full version online. Uh, and yeah, you can evaluate Jason's uh, Chinese. Um, in terms of my experience, uh, just a little bit of a background as well. I'm a second-generation Chinese immigrant. My parents immigrated from Beijing, China, and all my relatives are still there, including my grandparents. And I think with this project, it really just allowed me to talk to another senior, and it's something I don't get to do that often. Um, even though there's WeChat, you know, you can FaceTime. Uh, I can talk to my grandparents whenever I want to, but just that physical distance really adds another barrier to it, and also the, the time difference. And my takeaway for this project is that, aside from everything I learned about our medical system and things that could be improved, it just gave me an opportunity to talk to another senior and just to listen, listen to their stories, it's not something we're able to do often, especially uh, the, the, how in-depth we were able to talk to Gampopo and how much she was willing to share. So thank you so much for that. And yeah, I really want to emphasize the importance of storytelling, oral history. It's something that gets lost throughout history and you have to talk to people, interact with the elders in the community to learn things that might be forgotten. Yeah. Hope you enjoy. <laughs> thank you. You just heard Daniel Chen and Jason Yu, producers of the documentary A Place of Your Own. Next up is Vanessa Miho and Cassandra Lee, producers of Maypapa Beyond Care and Resilience. Hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Vanessa Miho. 
Um, and my name's Cassandra. Uh, my Chinese name is Lei Puyi. First of all, thank you so much for being here with us today. Um, this project has become more than creating a project with Kiero. Thank you so much for all our friends and, and family for being here today. Uh, to give some context about our visual, so uh, Vanessa and I were just chatting about, oh, what should our visual be? And I was like, okay, maybe I'll just try to draw again. And so I, we have this really cute image of uh, Vanessa and uh, May Papa, and we were going out for dim sum together. And uh, so I was like, okay, I'll use that image. And so I drew it, and we saw May Papa last week. She couldn't be here today. Um, and I was like really excited. I was like, May Papa team tea Leia, which means, does this look like you? And she's like, no. <laughs> she's like, this does not look like me. But I did show her the picture again. And I was like, how about the outfit? And she's like, oh, okay. <laughs> so she, I, we got the approval that the outfit looks like the image here. So um, yeah. yes. And another explanation for the background of the food here. Maple Pop, during our work with her, she was always sharing her food with us and asking, are you hungry? Are you okay? Do you need anything? And just to exemplify in the most extreme way to show another side of Maple Pop's personality, is when she felt and she went to the hospital, we went to visit her and we asked her, how are you? Do you, how are you feeling right now? And she just asked us to help her to grab some uh, plastic container. And then she opened this container and there was some cookies. And she just wanted to share her cookies with us in the hospital bed. Mm -hmm. So to, to share a little bit more about how we got involved, Yarrow is such an integral piece to Chinatown um, and the downtown east side. All the staff and volunteers and the seniors, there's so much love and energy and time put into the work that they do. Um, and for us to have the opportunity to per participate in that work is really meaningful um, to, to the both of us. And so we met May Papa six months ago at, um, at Yarrow, and she was really shy, and I mean, as were we, and, uh, but her friendly nature really allowed us to start this work, and she had this like really infectious smile, and, um, and she was really kind. We were touched because we didn't know each other, and May Papa trusted us since the beginning with her, his, with, with her story. And she opened her door of her, her house, insisting we eat some of her cookies. And she shared her own slippers with us. And she cared about us since the beginning. And these two young strangers, and we sipped on tea, and she shared her stories as a brave young woman coming to Canada on her own to write a new chapter of her history. I mean, we learned so much throughout the process, and I think one thing that she did share was with us, um, she said we should treat each other like family. And it was important to us that we embraced her words throughout the process, and so um, we saw her several times in her home, went for dim sum, and uh, we visited her um, at the hospital. Yes. You were listening in our podcast that Maple story is comprised of many personal challenges, despite these barriers, such as accessing healthcare system in her own language and managing her own health at home, she shows nothing but kindness, generosity, and care for others. And that's why we, became, we chose this title, Beyond Care and Resilience, uh, to attempt to capture the essence of Maple Paul, that she went above and beyond to care for the seniors and children she worked with, and that when she had to step back to take care of her own health, it's not only because of her physical resilience that she consistently works to get better, but it's also due to her deep love for being in the community and for helping others. And finally, just to share, I mean, we, there were a number of challenges um, along the way, but I think the biggest challenge that Vanessa and I were discussing is how do we capture the essence of this incredible elder and, and now our friend May Papa in a 21-minute podcast. And, and we were just, you know, there's so much footage. And um, I think that, um, yeah, we, we constantly have to ask ourselves that question. But um, from here, we hope that this piece and all the other pieces of our um, wonderful colleagues um, spark important conversations that we must have. And so we cannot say thank you enough to May Papa um, for sharing her world with us. And so this piece is really dedicated to um, our heroine, um, our friend, and our elder, May Papa. So please enjoy. 
Thank you. Uh, hi there, everyone. My name is Sarah. I use she, her, her pronouns. And my name is Caitlin, and I also use she, her, her pronouns. Hey. And so we are both young people who are passionate about Vancouver's Chinatown and the people who live in it. A little bit about us. Um, I first got involved with Yarrow Intergenerational Society for Justice in the summer of 2018. Uh, and I was really looking for an opportunity to reconnect with culture and language and the community of Chinatown. And I think what really drew me to Yarrow was really the reciprocity inherent in their work and really the opportunity to work with and learn from the seniors. And so specifically what drew me to this project was the opportunity to learn a little bit more about some of the challenges and the barriers that the seniors face and to use that to better connect with people both within and outside of Chinatown. Cool, and a little bit about me and how I came to this project is, well, the first thing is um, I really love stories and I really believe in storytelling as a tool for change and also having like a larger impact on the world. So when I first found out about this project, I thought, oh, this is perfect. This is like exactly the kind of work that I want to be doing. Um, and the second thing is that earlier in that year, um, I actually had a personal experience of dealing with the healthcare system where um, I was witnessing one of my own close family members go through the healthcare system, going through the hospital and just being there and being part of that experience was really uh, challenging and learning a lot from that. I really understood how difficult it can be to navigate accessing healthcare and trying to figure out information or getting what you need. And this was an experience that my family went through even though we could all speak English, which is the primary language of the healthcare systems here. So. Um, even though it was already so difficult for us knowing English, uh, it, I could only imagine how much more uh, challenging it would be for someone who does not speak English or who uses another primary language. So I felt like doing this project would really help to deepen my own understanding of the barriers in the healthcare system and why it's important that we change that. So to talk a little bit about uh, our documentary, which is called Displaced by Death, Seeking Belonging in End-of-Life Care, we have this visual here of incense burning. And we chose this visual actually because one of the other fellow producers suggested it, and we thought it was a great idea, but also because it is a representation of a uniquely cultural practice in relation to death and dying and also honoring your ancestors and honoring and respecting that process with the care that it deserves. And um, we also, following that, want to add a content note that the subject matter of this documentary um, is, can be really heavy and really challenging. So it, it deals with death and dying and how difficult that is to process, especially with the healthcare system. So if, we, if you need to take time to take care of yourself while listening to this clip and the full documentary, please do so. So a little bit of a summary of our doc. Uh, so as young people, I think we like to imagine the experience of dying as a process where we're surrounded by family and friends and where we feel secure and where we feel like we belong. Uh, but unfortunately for our senior, who we'll just call Popoa, uh, she wasn't able to have this experience because of a lot of the cultural and the language barriers that she faced. And she didn't feel like she belonged to the process of dying. And so our documentary is about her experience and really what she's looking for towards the end of her journey. Hello, um, my name is Tintin. And my name is Sophie. Um, thank you everyone for coming out to support our radio project and to listen to the stories that our community has to share with everyone. So um, to many, the topic of healthcare access, especially for seniors, hits close to home, and that is also the case for my own family. Um, as an immigrant and coming from a linguistics background, um, I, I experienced um, language barriers in, 
personally when my family was going through the healthcare uh, system as well. And um, so having the chance to participate in this radio project uh, was very important for me and I wanted to dedicate my efforts to um, this project to find community as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so how I find my, found myself um, entering or getting involved with this project was I just wanted to find some community in Chinatown. Um, I didn't grow up in Vancouver. Uh, I'm a 1.5 or second generation immigrant, depending on how you count it. Um, and my family grew up in Calgary. And my parents, or my mom and my aunt co-owned a business in Chinatown in Calgary. Um, and I never really found myself fitting in or like finding a place for myself in Vancouver's Chinatown because I wasn't fortunate enough to have grown up here. Um, not that growing up in Calgary is bad, but just, yeah, anyway. <laughs> um, but this seemed like a really great opportunity for me to not only contribute, give back to the community, but also, um, you know, just get to hang out with seniors and also young people who, you know, care about these kinds of things, about, you know, language, uh, uh, I want to say the revitalization, but that's not the right word, just like um, Chinatown politics and, and stuff like that. Um, so that's how I found myself in the project. Um, and as well, producing podcasts in multiple languages um, seems like a pretty cool initiative, and I really wanted to get involved with that as well. Um, but also speak my language was also a huge challenge for me too. Um, I think Sophie can attest to this when she was doing the translation. Um, as someone who doesn't read or write Mandarin, but can speak it kind of okay, uh, I had a really interesting glimpse into what a lot of people um, in in Canada, um, experiences people who are new immigrants who might not have the greatest grasp on English. Um, and even in this really small, like really contained environment, I found it really, really, really challenging. Um, I think, yeah, yeah. Um, so, Shibupo uh, was not able to attend this event with us today. I called her on the phone and she was like, I'm very busy, I have English class to attend. <laughs> so, um, I think you can sort of hear what kind of character she is from the podcast. Um, she's very outspoken, very independent, and it just sort of changed my perspective on what seniors can be like. And um, I think what really sets her apart from other seniors is her taidu, her attitude. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I hope you guys enjoy our podcast. Yeah, thank you. That was Tin Tin Yang and Sophie Chu, producers of Do It My Way. And just before them was Sarah Bao and Caitlin Fung, producers of Displaced by Death, Seeking Belonging in End-of-Life Care. Last but not least, we have Emily Sang, producer of Never Too Old. Hi, my name is Emily. My Cantonese name is Zhen Wenyu, and uh, my pronouns are she and they. Yeah, I'm very, very happy and very grateful to be here today. I'm very grateful for um, Yarrow for this opportunity to um, produce and tell such a meaningful story. And um, yeah, I'm also grateful for all of you to be here because um, it's been a five, six month journey of um, being in a dark uh, recording studio by myself. So I'm very happy that um, um, this um, project came to fruition and um, everyone can hear the final products. Um, I guess I'll talk a little bit about uh, Lai Popo, who is the senior um, who is uh, featured in this doc. I've been volunteering with Yarrow uh, for the last uh, four, four years or so, and I've seen Laipopo around the neighborhood quite a few times um, at different events and different like activities. She's very, very active, and she can't, um, she's not here with us today, but um, she was very excited to hear um, the stories that uh, we shared. You'll hear a little bit of a description about her later on in the uh, episode. And um, about myself, uh, I'm a 1.5 gen um, settler from um, Hong Kong. My parents recently came and um, joined me in Vancouver. Yeah, and I guess I think the pro how the project really connects with me is that for the last um, few years um, since they've joined me, it's been like a process trying to help them um, kind of like assimilate back into the Vancouver community after being away for so long. And part of it is also navigating the health system um, with my family um, as someone who has to help with like translation and whatnot. Uh, I've helped with Chinese seniors in Chinatown, but then now I'm also helping my own family with that. And I think that really resonated with me about the limitations and about the gaps in our uh, healthcare system. And so when I first applied for this project, I remember thinking, um, okay, okay, I speak Cantonese and 
I know something about um, audio documentary um, production. And I thought, cool. But then I don't think I really recognized. <laughs> cool, right? I don't think I really recognized that I would need to translate and like do all this, um, I guess like moving words from one language into another language um, until I was at the training and I was like, oh, well, that's a big task. Um, I wasn't prepared for that. And um, I think translation for me has always been like one of those things where you move one, you move like words from one language into another language. It's so simple, just one dimension, right? Well, well, Rachel um, at during the training was like, no, you can actually use that as an expressive tool. You can actually use that to create something else. And I think I really like really honed onto this concept of translating ideas, but not translating like what was said word for word. And there are lots of things that you don't need to translate, like body language, emotions, um, facial expressions, tone of voice, urgency. Like, you don't need to know exactly what I'm saying to understand that I'm very, very stressed right now. Um, <laughs> I love talking in front of people. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Um, yeah, but it's like a concept that, like, I, that really intrigued me, but it also I really, really struggled with. So I ended up framing my piece around this whole idea of how to use translation as like, how to use this, uh, how to use translation to like, use it as like an expressive tool, like I said, and like how to translate these ideas. And um, I also attempted to create this environment, this piece where like people who don't speak Cantonese will still experience, uh, can still experience the piece, but like understand it in a way, in a lens that's similar to what seniors and Chinese seniors, immigrant seniors go through on a daily basis of like really just understanding like a certain percentage of like what they're going through, but not really fully understanding because of the language. So yeah, um, enjoy. Can we give our amazing producers another round of applause? Um, I think we're going to start setting up the stage for the panel. Um, so as we do that, I'm going to invite our uh, producers who would like to share uh, to slowly come up to the stage for the panel discussion portion of the event. Um, and unfortunately, um, as some of our producers mentioned before, many of the elders who participated in this project uh, couldn't be here tonight due to their, to the, their own health concerns. Um, but I'm glad Yang Po Po, uh, and who you heard in the first documentary, A Place of Your Own, is able to join us. Within this um, we won't be taking audience questions today, but I have prepared some questions that I hope will generate a fruitful discussion. Uh, thank you for your patience as we were making our way on stage. Um, uh, my first question is for you, Rachel. Um, as the coordinator and lead artist on this project, what about this project excites you? Yeah, I just want to take a moment to say, I feel like this is like a very, okay, I have problems with Harry Potter, but like I feel like it's like a Harry Potter moment where you have like this like, long table and like all these people. It's really nice to be able to sit uh, next to all the producers. But that being said, the, the part uh, about this project that excites me the most was just thinking through what it would mean to make a multilingual podcast and multilingual radio documentary series. I think that was a really unique challenge. And in terms of, um, working with the youth producers and seniors, I think the most exciting part was just thinking about the relationships that were going to be built in the process and also being able to uh, listen to these stories and really bring them to light. Thank you, Rachel. Yeah, I think, um, at least I could really feel like from uh, everyone's presentation and documentaries that definitely that relationship um, over the last six months was definitely developed. And yeah, you could really see the care everybody was putting into their work. Um, my second question is for the youth involved in the project. Um, what was your experience like to witness and work with the stories of elders for the radio documentaries? Uh, Cassandra and Vanessa, do you want to start us off? Hello, testing. I, hello. Um, I, I don't, there, there's so much to share. I, um, uh, Vanessa and I were, were just, chatting about how um, really special and magical this process was and continues to be because I think that our connection with May Papa goes beyond just um, producing this podcast with her and, and being able to share her story. 
Um, I think throughout, you know, being with her in her home and at her at the hospital or, or when we went for dim sum, it was, I think, so many emotions. It was like really touching, but also like really heartbreaking um, in terms of what she's going through. And the story that she that we're sharing is very much a reality that she lives. Um, uh, that this is her reality. Uh, reality, um, and so um, I think that's really important to to highlight that these are the these are really the challenges that um, the seniors um, or May Papa is facing, um, and um, I think that being able to produce uh, this podcast, um, as Tintin had mentioned, that it gives you like translating the the podcast for me just gave me like just a glimpse of what uh, me Papa experiences on a day-to-day -day basis. Like I have the privilege to, and the capacity to use my Google Translate and like call friends to, to help with translation, but for many of these seniors, they don't. And so um, that was such a, it was a huge learning experience for me. Yes, uh, I think Cassandra mentioned everything of this experience, but, um, Talking with Maple Paul, uh, when we ask, when we talk about all the challenges that uh, seniors have to access the health healthcare system here without speaking English, we kind of imagine, but we really don't know the real challenges that are behind it. So, talking with Maple Paul, we could understand the reality behind it. We, I could see how tough it's to get the bus and ask the driver to lift the ramp in order to get to the hospital appointment. So this is one of the examples. But to witness, witness everything, it's kind of tough because uh, when you're listening to all of these challenges, Maple Boy is always asking, why is this happening to me? And how to answer these questions. But we wanted to also share that this is not her fault. and. The purpose of this podcast is to share exactly the stories that are not being told in the mainstream media. media. Thank you. Yeah, I think the stories also help I highlight this is not like an isolated experience that um, many people are having these same challenges around accessing healthcare. Um, would anyone else like to answer the same question? Just raise your hand a little bit, I can <laughs> or poke your head out. <laughs> Um, I think uh, something that uh, really stood out to me about the ex experience was um, uh, kind of young people, just like your mindset uh, that you, you have with um, um, kind of just uh, navigating the situation that you're in. Uh, a, a bit of like a, a paradigm shift for me was um, this moment when after we uh, finished like the first bit of our interview, you pointed to the corner of your room where there was a little webcam, um, and I think a little bit made it into the episode, but uh, we're like, oh, like, tell us about this. Like, what is this webcam that you have? Um, and uh, it was really your sons who set it up to, um, I guess, just monitor you, because I think they were concerned about you, um, and they were just, oh, like, I don't know, like, you're living alone by yourself now, and, like, uh, what if something goes wrong? And your attitude throughout that is just like, oh, young people, you just worry so much. <laughs> like, um, I, I'm fine, and I think uh, it really just speaks to, um, I don't know, again, how independent you are and how uh, I don't know, just courageous and just, you know, you're just living your life, and uh, I, I don't know, I think, to me, it, when you shared that, I'm like, wow, holy cow, okay, yes, I need to really kind of reassess the assumptions that I'm putting on to you. Um, so that, that was a cool experience that I learned. Thank you. Um, anybody else want to share what it was like to work with their elder on this project? Um, okay. Oh, oh. Okay. Hi there, uh, Caitlin, feel free to uh, pitch in as well. Uh, but I think just reflecting on um, and building on what other people have said about the challenge of language and the language barriers and 
coming from someone who I think is pretty pretty limited in my language skills, I think it really uh, put me in the perspective of the seniors, even just a little bit of what they experience on a day-to-day -day basis and how difficult and how frustrating it must be for them. Um, but at the same time, I, I think it's really something that brings us closer together because we have in that experience a little bit of that shared, shared experience and that shared challenge. Um, and I think for us, I think what I learned is that there's beauty in the challenge as well. And, and so I, I remember um, us having a little bit of struggle with uh, trying to figure out a, a way for our senior to eventually listen to our podcast. Uh, but I remember after maybe like a month, a month and a half, we were finally sitting down in downtown Eastside neighborhood house. And it was, it was a cool day. It was maybe the afternoon. It was pretty dark. Um, and we had set up the speaker and we were basically just holding the speaker up to her ears. And she was listening to the documentary and it was silent um, except for the documentary. And I remember the experience afterwards of her telling us how she felt about it. Um, and, and telling us that she liked the way that we portrayed her experiences. And I think there was so much beauty in that moment that all, I think the challenges of it really were worth it for us. Yeah, I totally agree. And I guess to speak a little bit about those challenges of which there were so many, um, I, there's one specific example that I'll share that I shared with the group previously, but there was a moment when Sarah and I were, um, we had just done the interview with our senior and we had, the interview was done in Mandarin and then we had a translated English transcript of what happened and our senior's answers. And we were using this transcribed English document to try to figure out like what was important about the story and what really mattered to her and what we should focus on. And we were having so much trouble trying to find the right way to tell it. Um, and we spent a lot of time on that until we kind of had this breakthrough moment where we realized oh, we're actually thinking in English when we should actually be thinking in Mandarin because that's the language that she was thinking in and that she uses. And when we actually listened to her answers in Mandarin as they were meant to be heard, um, it changed the meaning of the things that she was saying. So that really, um, that experience I think really is indicative of kind of that, uh, the importance of language and culture in, in meaning. Thank you, Caitlin and Sarah. Oh, okay. Um, what was really striking about the experience of working with Xie um, Popo was how, how much of my perspective of what seniors in Chinatown can do, like amazing, like Xie Popo is so independent, it's like wild. <laughs> um, I think uh, I just had a preconceived notion and it really like spun it on its head. Like she is out and about, she's out of the day, like she's out from like 9 a.m. to like 9 p.m. It was so hard to like contact her uh, most of the time. And a memory that springs to mind is the second time that I interviewed her, we were meeting at the Vancouver Public Library at like 10 a.m. And she like got there from Burnaby and she was like all like, like you know, there and like really just present. And then we were having trouble with the language or with um, my understanding of Mandarin because I was trying to interview her in Mandarin and like was having a really hard time translating uh, the questions or like reading out the like uh, translated things because I can't read Mandarin. And then Xie Popo found a, listened to a person beside us who was speaking Mandarin with their partner and she just grabbed that person and was like, hey, you help me translate, like you help us translate this, okay? And then, <laughs> And then I was like, wow, like this has never happened to me before. <laughs> um, and yeah, yeah. Um, I definitely feel like through that process of like working with Shippopo, it was very much playing phone tag. I had to call her on the voice, um, leave a voicemail, and then she wouldn't call back until 11 p.m. when I was getting ready for bed. Um, um, I think also another thing that really struck me was Throughout the interview process, she answered our questions very matter-of-factly. She was like, oh, yeah, and then I went to this hospital, but then I didn't have the right documents, so they transferred me to this other hospital. And I was like, but how did you get from one hospital to the other hospital? Like, I just did it. And that's what, 
and I was very struck by her um, sense of independence and sort of like taking things in her own hands and doing it her own way. And that also changed my expectations or like preconceptions of what seniors can do and also the resilience that they show. So that was very, um, that left an impression on me. Yeah. Thank you. Sure. <laughs> Hello. Um, I guess working with the seniors, it was a very interesting and like a very fulfilling experience. Um, uh, I walk around Chinatown and like the, like that area a lot and I see a lot of seniors that come and go and I think a lot about how there are so many stories out there that we're not like hearing. This is only five, like these are only like five stories out of like so many stories that we could be telling. And I think, uh, yeah, I've, I've known Lai Popo for quite a few years. Like, she doesn't remember me, but I remember her kind of thing. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's one of those things. But now, like, um, over the last six months, it's been, like, a really empowering, like, process of, like, getting to know her and, like, learning about her story and learning about the struggles that so many other seniors also face. Like, um, I think in relation to like language access and whatnot, there's like this notion, this preconceived notion of like, oh, asking family members to help. Of course, everyone has family members, right? But it's like, that's just not necessarily the case or like, it's not always possible. And I think we'll be talking a little bit more about that in another setting. Thank you um, everyone for sharing, I think. Um, yeah, I think you can really, like, I think what Sophie, you were saying about like breaking down like the stereotypes or like what those pre preconceived notions, I think, yeah, I think like even listening to podcasts, you can really see that. Um, yeah, and it was really great glimpse into, yeah, just the resilience I saw like in all of the, all of these stories. Um, Yang Popo, <laughs> uh, what was your experience like to share your stories with the youth and work together on this project? Oh, yeah. Um, so, so this is her script, so she's going to read off of it. Yeah. <laughs> 不愿自己老是在神经在漫悠悠的世界里面，他们是生命奇强的人群，他们勤劳、顽强、滑风。刚开始，刚开始跟我接车的时候是冬天，他们与我们交流以后，天很很晚了才回去，他们去得很远，有
Yang Popo made such an eloquent speech that I think it would be a disservice to her if I did uh, try to interpret or translate everything. So I might as well just use the script and do slight translation. <laughs> oh, so this time when I uh, cooperate, when I work with the youth, uh, this is how I feel. Um, over the last half a year, I have been interacting with uh, the youth, and I personally feel that together with them, I've become younger. And uh, thinking back to the past, I've learned some knowledge. Uh, otherwise, living in this world, just uh, getting old, is, it's just, uh, just the same old rut. Uh, they, ha they are full of vitality. They are people full of vitality. They work hard, they're resilient, and they are, they are very uh, positive. Uh, when we started, it was during the winter. And uh, after they started interacting with me, uh, it was dark, and I didn't get to go home until late. Um, they lived very far, and uh, there was one who was living in UBC. Um, since my, my son was actually living in UBC, uh, it actually took one hour for them if there was no traffic jam. Uh, they didn't feel tired, and I was worried about them. I saw them, uh, and when I saw them, I could see that Canada has hope. And uh, under the tutorship, the mentoring of their parents, they have brought the excellent Chinese traditions to Canada. Uh, they are smart, they are able, they are not afraid to work hard, they're not afraid of challenges. They are worth me, they're worthwhile for me to learn from them. Point number two. <laughs> if you want to bring back uh, some, a message, um, so about uh, language barrier, this is, this is it. So um, we would go to the hospitals and other places where there are, there's a language barrier and the government helped us resolve that, and the hospitals uh, arranged for English interpreters for us. So uh, for us seniors, that is a blessing. That brings a lot of convenience. Is that it? So that's it. Thank you. Thank you, Yang Popo, for sharing uh, what that experience was like working with Daniel and Jason. Um, yeah, I want to ask anybody who would like to answer, um, how has your understanding or perspective on the BC healthcare system changed, if at all, throughout the project? Yeah, Tintin, you can start us off. Okay. Um, uh, so something that I got insight into when working with Siapopo was just how many different steps there are in the healthcare process. Like, I think a lot of people might just think like, okay, well, like getting to the hospital, like it's hard to understand like what the doctor is saying, but that's like assuming that you can get there and that's assuming that when you get there, you're able to find the place that you need to go. And there's just like all these like little connecting steps that I think people take for granted, um, unless you're living it and it's really hard for you and you don't know how to um, navigate it. Um, so I think that that was something that I definitely had my mind or like came to that realization. Um, just talking to Siapopo about her experience with her like eye surgery, with the tumor that she had, um, you know, that stuff people can't really even deal with in English. Like that's really, really challenging and bureaucracy is hard. So, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Um, so what I learned about healthcare is that there are actually a lot of resources out there for in terms of multilingual access. Uh, if you can recall too, because we were the first uh, podcast, but uh, Yang Popo's experience started with her having a heart attack and both her and her husband like panicking because they were scared to call 911 since they didn't know English. And so during one of our visits to her, um, to her, to her place, I saw this little pamphlet and she said, oh yeah, this was uh, uh, one of the community resource meeting things. And I read it and it's, okay, there's multilingual access to 911. And I asked Yang Pupu, okay, did you know that you could actually talk to 911 in Chinese? And she said, no. And I said, oh, if you, if you knew about this, this whole story 
wouldn't have existed. Um, and so what, what, what the resource is is that if you call 911 and you say, um, let's say Mandarin, so you say the, the name of the language in English to them, they'll connect you to a translation service. And so you can actually talk to them in Chinese or uh, whatever language. And so I think what I realized is that as much as we're trying to point out things that could be improved with the system, there are people on both sides trying to like, like um, help each other out. So it's, I think accessing and just learning about these resources is very important. Yeah, thank you, Daniel. I think, um, yeah, it's important to have those services there to like overcome those barriers, but also to make sure that people actually know um, about those services when we're able um, to yeah, implement them. Yeah. Does anybody else want to share? Yeah. Go ahead. Okay, just to share, when we asked May Paul how was her experience at the hospital, and not only the language barrier, but once she had the minimal access and she found someone who spoke Cantonese at that time, she was she could, she just wanted to ask why everyone was all the nurses were taking this amount of her blood every day, and she couldn't get the right answer for it. Or when she had um, some med, med medications and this was getting her feeling nauseous about it. And she wanted to give this feedback to the doctor and she felt that it didn't have any change from it. So um, we felt that um, one of the consequences of not being listened to is that she just want um, to be she should she just wants to be independent and to be listened and to have the same respect as everyone so um, one of the consequences just to mention one example of this we think that there's a, the self medication that in, within this whole system is one of the ways that she felt empowered thank you Vanessa yeah i think um, yeah health barriers language barriers aren't just causing issues with like treatment, but also just understanding your health and having that same access to knowing what's going on with your health and also your treatment plan, um, I think is just as important. Would anybody else like to share about their learnings? Okay, if not, I will move on to the last question. Um, yeah, is there, if there is one thing that you would want our audience here to take away from today, what would that be? Yeah, I, I have something I'd like to share. Uh, I think um, the youth producers here have shared a lot about the healthcare system and their experiences. But I think if there's one thing that I want folks to walk away with this Saturday afternoon is that when you lean into stories that are outside of your circle of comfort or understanding, that's when a lot of beautiful things can happen. And that's when you can start to act on things that you didn't know were problems or things that were challenges for other people. And I think that all the youth here on stage with me have been just an excellent example of leaning into the discomfort of stories that they may not understand or challenges that they might not have so that they could do something greater. Thank you, Rachel. Anything else? Um, I think the thing uh, that I was thinking of, uh, this project in general really uh, started um, exposing me to this idea of uh, like accessibility and um, you know, the, fir the first, our training day, we talked about that word a lot. I'd never heard that word so much in my life. Um, and I think it w within this like accessibility uh, umbrella, I started under like, uh, like understanding why it doesn't happen. Because honestly, it's like hard, how can you, possibly, you know, provide all of, like, on call, all of these different services to all these different things all at once, you know, not just a language idea. Um, after starting this project, I also, um, I went to this talk and it was about, it was about this lady who was blind and just talking about like, oh, accessibility considerations, you know, that, that come with mobility or, you know, uh, not being able to see. And th the thing that, I think that, uh, Mm, okay. <laughs> the thing that I want to share is that uh, 
under this umbrella, the umbrella of accessibility, something that we can't necessarily communicate, um, or something that we can communicate even if we don't have the language is like care or belonging. And that um, there is a way of showing that, oh, um, I care about you as a person, or that you know we're we're connect, uh, connected as humans more than just our experiences or uh, what we can communicate. Um, yeah, th this like intangible idea of like, oh, I care for you, and I still um, like I don't know, just respect you in a certain way. Um, and I think uh, that's something that I've been thinking about a lot um, throughout this project, and would want to share with everyone else. Thank you, Jason. Caitlin. <laughs> yeah, uh, kind of returning to what Rachel was saying earlier about leaning into discomfort. Um, for us, I know that the senior that we were working with, she only spoke Mandarin, and myself, anyway, I don't speak any Mandarin, I can only speak English, um, and between us both, it was still really hard to communicate with her and to understand her, but it's, it's, it's actually exactly because we couldn't understand each other that we were kind of able to understand each other better. It was a strange paradox because we didn't share a language. That's actually what allowed us to understand her struggles in not being able to share a language with like the systems around her. So I think that there's real value in leaning into that and actually that's instrumental into using that for improving things. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, Sophie? Yeah. Um, so, sort of relating back to Jason and what Rachel said about um, leaning into discomfort and also the universal notion of care. Um, I think working with Shepopo, like we knew she was very independent, we knew she was very resilient, but I think behind that she was motivated by the fear of being a burden to others or like um, taking up too much of other people's time or space. And um, that was something she did not directly say to us, but it was sort of like what was not spoken. And I think for us, by reaching out to her or like harassing her with phone calls every week, like it sort of opened up a space where she could realize that um, she is not a burden and that she has the space. And um, yeah, like she can reach out to us um, in case she does. And feel supported by our care in that way. So um, I think even if it's just like reaching out, you know, with, through a phone call, um, I think that does make a difference, yeah. Thank you, Sophie. Would anyone else like to share on this question? Yeah, Lisa. go for it, Lisa. Um, so no, just to share my experience when sometimes I was talking about this project, and one common reaction um, that I had, and from people who had the best of the intentions for sure, but they a common question that I have is why those people cannot speak English if they lived so many years here in Canada? But this is the work that we are doing right now here. It's to share the stories of all of these workers who came from long journeys of uh, hours and long hours of work, and they, then they have to return to their houses to take care of her, their family and do other jobs. And some of them tried actually to learn English and they are still trying to learn English, but now they are facing other challenges, like the physical challenges and others. But um, from answering your question, I think maybe we can try to change our questions and try to not judge people why they don't do this, but trying to understand um, what's the story behind their struggles right now. Thank you, Vanessa. Okay. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, thank you everybody for sharing. Um, yeah, and I, I'm just reflecting on, um, yeah, I, I really feel like this project is really special and um, I hope gave everyone an opportunity and a little bit of insight into learning and hearing the stories of those of us who don't speak English and um, yeah, a little bit of building a little bit of compassion as well. 
Um, as well as I'm really seeing kind of like what Yaro is all about, about building these intergenerational relationships and alternative kind of support systems. And I really see that happening with everyone who's on stage with us today and also those of us who weren't able to join us here today. And yeah, I think that's really special. Yeah. Um, thank you so much to our incredible team of producers for all of your work the last six months. Um, learning these podcast production skills, taking the time to listen, to share your stories, and also to work together to edit and create these documentaries in an ethical and beautiful way. Um, and thank you for coming today and coming on stage to share about that experience and giving us a little peek into what that journey was like. Can we give them a round of applause? <laughs> You just listened to a bonus episode of Speak My Language featuring the recording of the launch event for the Radio Doc series back in March. Shortly after the event, BC went into lockdown, and little did we know that the launch event would be the last time in a long while that we'd be able to gather as a community. I'm grateful we had that time together, and I hope this recording of the launch event brought you the warmth of community in a time of isolation. If you like what you heard, you can learn more about the project and listen to more radio docs at yarosociety.ca slash speakmylanguage. That's Y-A-R-R-O-W society.ca slash speakmylanguage. Special thanks to Alexander B. Kim and CITR 101.9 FM, especially CITR program manager Madeline Taylor, for their support and guidance in producing this series. Our theme song is from the album Searching by Respectful Child courtesy of the artist. Speak My Language was made possible through the funding of the Government of Canada New Horizons for Seniors program and the City of Vancouver Community Arts Grant. This series was recorded on the unceded territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh First Nations. As we continue our work in addressing barriers in the healthcare system, we recognize that this is a shared struggle with Indigenous peoples under the violence enacted by colonial governments.